Welcome to Dynasty Think Tank. I'm Chad Parsons. He is Jordan McNamara. We share our research, experience, and acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes. Now is the time to seek elite results. Jonathan Taylor is, of course, at the forefront of our thoughts. It oscillated here early in the week of week 13 between, oh, everything's fine. Scored a couple touchdowns. Life is good. Coming out of week 12. Didn't know anything was wrong to, oh my God, he has a, he has a, a finger issue, and then it turned into uh, he could be out for the year, and now it's softened back to eh, maybe it's a couple games. Uh, but we have Jonathan Taylor. I got a, a, a nice quotable here, but let's start with Jonathan Taylor, where we're going to get some clarified starts here late for the playoff push or seeding push for you with Zach Moss, who obviously we saw some workhorse duty from him earlier in the season, and here we are back for that. And it sounds like teams that are earmarked for a buy or uh, in the playoffs, you're probably not going to be without Jonathan Taylor in your most important games. Yeah, if you if you have him and you're going to lose him for three weeks and you're sitting here not right now, you've got to be like, okay, well, I'm going to lose him for the final two weeks of the season. If I have a buy, like I'll get him back fresh in, in that first game that I'm back, right? That's kind of the hope there. Again, obviously that's not uh, always the case, but I, I do think just generally speaking, that we overreact to one specific injury. We've talked about this a lot, um, you know, that that it's tough to, um, uh, you know, that, that people overestimate the impact of one specific player. I tweeted about this today. Like, listen, if if one Jonathan Taylor injury turns you from being a con- uh, what you perceive to be a contender to a not contender, you weren't truly a contender to begin with, right? Because that difference in points isn't that sig- significant, especially if you're following the right team building principles that are driving us to like, I don't know, 65% win play seasons, which is what we're we're rocking right now. Like, uh, you know, for us, like, yeah, losing Jonathan Taylor hurts, but we should. It's also at the most fungible options. position, right? I mean, right. it's, it's at one where this is the time of year that, you should have more options as opposed to fewer options. And I always frame it this way. You know, when anyone wants to come at me with gloom and doom of like, oh, Jonathan Taylor's out again. Oh, you know, woe is me, all this kind of stuff. I always ask, well, across your portfolio, and again, if you're in three leagues, you know, this doesn't really apply to you, but the premise of the backup almost every time is going to be a higher market share exposure rate for you than the starter. So the net net is a positive. You pro- you probably have more Zach Moss than Jonathan Taylor. If you're in a few dozen leagues, you probably have more Zach Moss than Jonathan Taylor. So the net, you may, and again, you don't get to choose, well, I lost Taylor here. I'd really like to have Moss in that one. Well, that's not what happens. But mm-hmm. the net, and again, it's a portfolio kind of approach here, is you gained a workhorse. And this could be, we've seen this earlier in the season, Alexander Madison effect, right? Where Moss could easily have a higher market share than what we were seeing out of Jonathan Taylor, because now they're going to Trey Sermon as the number two. Mm-hmm. You know, Ron Burgundy announces he'll read anything on the prompter. So <laughs> that's probably going to be a bigger spread than Zach Moss is the two. Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, Sermon, we should be in the business of picking Sermon up because hey, if this yep. injury lingers, he's got a baby window. Baby, hey. he's got a baby little window, and Absolutely. it may end up being zero window, but he's almost globally out there, right? 
We just, yeah. it, I, I know this to some people, this probably sounds crass, right? I mean, yeah. One of the better dynasty producers at, at running back, you know, and, and finding his, his sea legs and he's rocking just came off a 20 point game. It's not, woe is me. It's not go trade for somebody. It's enjoy the Zach Moss shares you have. Pick up Trey Sermon. Life goes on. Machinery of NFL and dynasty running back. That's what that's what happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's it's business. That's business as usual. It's gonna happen. Death, taxes, running back injuries. <laughs> right. We know. We've been right. here. We've lived it. Um, right. so one of the quotes I, I saw on Twitter related to Jonathan Taylor is I, I pushed my chips in for this season traded away a lot of draft capital, ended up with a win-now bounty of Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, T. Higgins, and Tony Pollard. I don't know if that's their core or if that's the result of their trades only. Um, I have already traded away all of these players (laughs) for rebuild capital. So talk about this whiplash of you acquire all those players, and I guess they all, to some iteration, get hurt, don't produce like the moment you acquired them, and now you lost three, three out of five or something mid season. And here you are going, my season's over time to trade them back. I'm sure for a profit <laughs> for rebuilding capital. What do you consider rebuilding capital? I guess those are all old news and you can't win in 2024 with those players. Yeah. That'd be the first question. What, why can't you win in 2024? We, we don't punt seasons. Either. They're not win now in 2024, I guess. Right. I don't know. Um, you know, and I would, I would sort of, also point to that like i'm not sure t higgins is ever truly a like a win now type move that you make right that's the exact move that we don't make right which is the the highly valued wide receiver who's not a, a true difference maker yeah, like suboptimal that's, for both right right that's the that's actually the range of the position that we avoid right as a as sort of a class we would much rather sort of go be in the keenan allen the mike evans the guys that are too old to be dynasty valuable that that just crush um, we go into that bucket as opposed to kind of that, that, um, you know, the higher priced guy, that's not truly a difference maker, but is insulated because he's young type of player like T Higgins. So that's sort of the one thing that I would say there. Again, I'm not sure that like, you know, okay. Jonathan Taylor's out for three weeks. I don't think that means that like his dynasty valuation should, should drop. Like, especially if you're looking at it from a, you know, what's my next two or three year window look like, right? I mean, it's not, he didn't have his arm amputated. He's having surgery on his thumb, right? I mean, I don't, I, that doesn't change really like the long-term prognosis for him, at least in in my opinion. So um, I, I kind of, and be careful on those sorts of things. Again, you got to be really careful on wind down moves that aren't based around premium positions. And that's what this person did, right? Right. Again, I don't know the well, format, if it's a stock, Well, if not, it's a stock that, league, if it's not quarterback premium, then, or yeah. tight end premium, I mean, Let's be fair, you know, running back and and wide receiver, you know, outside of a very small subset of other players. I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't panic on these things like we don't, you know, and I'm not sure. Like, how are you out of it, by the way? Like, yeah, we're not going to get out of it. Well, because Taylor was ripping it off. Right. And Pollard was still fine. But but yeah, like the whole idea of win now moves again, this is classic. Again, I'm fine with the players, you know, the players that they selected and I'm sure, you know, they traded away a lot of their draft capital. Well, the most it could be, I would guess, is their first and second really of the next two years. I mean, I don't even Mm -hmm. know how far out it would go, but if you assume that, I mean, you pay a first for Taylor, you, if you want to pay a first for Higgins, you pay a second for Cooper cup second for Tony. I mean, I don't know. Like, even if you add a little bit to that, those prices are fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you have that 
and I would assume you have more and why that can't win. Again, I understand if you're sitting here and you're five and eight that, yeah, you're, you're out of it. I understand. Yeah. That wait, no. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Five and five and seven, five and seven. Sorry. Yeah. Five yeah seven. So five yeah. and seven, you'd be, you're essentially done. I mean, very few times at seven and seven, you got to have really high points. You got to get lucky. You probably need some tiebreakers in your direction or whatever. Um, but so I get it. If you're, you've lost a couple of weeks, but if you distill down and you're making trades on the basis of, I'm going to hate this trade or re- try to reverse it. If I lose the next two weeks, you got to assess that before you make it. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things that like I'm sitting here like, and the first thing I do when I'm going in is kind of looking, okay, did I win? And then, uh, you know, I'm looking at, you know, if, if right now I'm, uh, what was it? What would it be? I'm doing bad 13 math. <laughs> no, 12 it's math. 12, okay. It's 12. See, that's why it's messing me up. You're like, you're really good at 13 math in the basis of 12. <laughs> um, but anyway, but if you're sitting there and, you know, you were sitting there at six and five, that's a, it's a big week, you know, going to six and six versus seven and five is a huge difference on how your probabilities are the next couple weeks. I would imagine mm-hmm. on needing two wins versus I can win one, depending on what happens. Like, as we said, it's a race to eight. And, and so I, I just hate doing trades like right before the deadline where you're like, okay, I'm pushing in. All right. This is going to push me over the top to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like it's a little different if you're trying to make a buy, you know, and, and yeah. it's a dynasty vision as opposed to you're sitting there at six and five and you're like, all right, this is going to push me over the top because it takes an injury or a dud game or two. And now let's be fair. This is not an uncommon reaction. Now, I think the end part of like trading them all away for <laughs> rebuilding capital sounds like picks. <laughs> sounds right. like picks to me. You're trying to reverse it. I get it. Yeah. Um, another quote uh, that I wanted to include this week says, dynasty rankings mean so little because people overvalue them in the off season and then disregard them completely in season. What yeah, are your thoughts on those extremes? It's interesting. Like, I think that the marketplace generally and the rankings marketplace generally react differently than the individual dynasty GM. So you might get a, I don't know, let's just say a dozen spot movement out of a running back. I don't necessarily think that that, that holds true to the individual dynasty GM, right? I mean, it, especially if the price is going down, right? Because I do think that people have a lot of those biases, the sunk cost biases, all those things that cause them to hold on to a price that is higher and, and ask for a price that is higher than the generalized market would go for and say a startup draft, right? Um, or it, whatever ADP or the rankings would say, right? They're asking for more of a price than that, right? So I do think, you know, just the, the biases of of how these players are acquired for teams tend to impact the individualized market more so than what the rankings say at any given time. And you know, there's some wacky stuff out there, right? I mean, if you look like Josh Allen's closer to like CJ Stroud, and some of these guys on like fantasy calc than he is to Mahomes. And that's, there's something wrong with that number. I mean, I, I just don't see that actually occurring in real life. Um, and so some of these things, like I see these movements and I see these things and I just, I don't think that that's actually reality in a lot of the minds of the actual people that possess the rights to right. these players on their dynasty team. Right. You get thousands upon thousands of leagues and you can cherry pick and see such a wide range of what's actually happening that you think that's reality, right? Mm. 
you know, or, or like, especially when people go, well, you know, this calculator and this ranking says that this is a fair deal. Why are you being, you know, so picky or, you know, why are you asking for the moon? It's like, well, well, I have the player and I always think like dynasty trading or just trading and finalizing deals is so fascinating because it takes the confluence of factors that you are will that you find someone of whatever you're selling or giving they have to be higher on that than you and then intrinsically the other you have to be higher on what they have than they are Correct. it's a really weird like that that sounds if you frame it that way it sounds how do deals get done at all <laughs> right <laughs> in some capacity right yeah of course we know of course we know leagues and we know teams that they might go years at a time with making zero trades Correct. i've yet to see that really successful though it feels mandatory that can you literally sit there with your own picks, round one through four, whatever it is, and make no trades, you're active in the waiver wire, and be very good and on top of things? Because you, for all your existing players, you have no outlet to change profiles or change player subsets. You have to stick with what you have until they become a drop, essentially. So really like that in and of itself, like that silo of running a team with no help from your league at all, it's not really plausible. It's tough. I mean, and then you got to go and basically you're, you got to draft rather than everyone else, which, you know, yes. we, we talk about is, it's really, really hard to do. Like, right. yeah, you can use a lot of the principles and stuff like that, but again, like that's, that's hard to do. So I like do NFL think teams, to... right. To be like, Oh, well, this team's really good at drafting. Well, well what sample size are you looking at? And it's right. like, well, you know, that three-year hot stretch that you're looking at, where you're like, wow, they got nine starters and, you know, two all pros and all this stuff. And it's like, well, look at the two years before that. Correct. You know, they yeah. whiffed on eight of 10 picks and they got two marginal guys that aren't even with the team anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. It becomes very, very like that, right. that becomes a hard life to live. So I do think you need to, you need to create, and that's, I mean, right. one of the ways we do that is, you know, not trying to necessarily fleece people in the trade market. Like you always want to try and make trades, but I think our, our philosophies are different, right? So I think that's one thing that gives you an edge in, in that perspective. But the other thing is like roster construction. Right, like assuming you're not going to make trades, okay, I got to either be better than everybody else at drafting, or my construction of my team needs to be better in terms of the actual types of players that I'm putting on it. But I do think in those ways you can sort of you can create some edges. I think your your likelihood of running up an, a meaningful edge on the competition is is uh, better, right? That you have a higher chance of doing that through a, a better roster construction than you do at. at consistently trying to beat people in the draft because i just don't think that that's you know we look at these things like dynasty adp uh, inside player categories like inside wide receivers like first round wide receivers for example and so in terms of inside top 10 quarterbacks those things aren't predictive right and so like i think if you're trying to trust your way better than the market uh, there's not a ton of proof that that more preparation for that actually succeeds yeah i i do find there's less wackadoodle stuff in dynasty trading that goes on in the off season because frankly, I mean, there are news things that happen. There are segments of the calendar where things occur, but there's also broad spectrums of time that nothing's happening. And then people can get two feet dug in for player value, right? Like, Oh, well this guy's at, you know, quarterback seven, quarterback seven, 
quarterback seven, you know, like you just hear it over and over again, or this guy's a top 10 guy over and over again, where it's a lot more nuanced in season. You know, you're seeing a down couple games and actually we got one more, one more player to mention here, but you know, all of a sudden, you know, if someone goes cold or uh, less hot for a certain stretch, all of a sudden, like their dynasty valuation becomes in question, you know, when really it's a longer term game and it's like, you're punishing somebody for a, a lackluster November. I mean, it's a kind of a interesting thing where that doesn't have like normally, you know, someone doesn't get, it's more of the age thing, you know, the, the sexy rosters pay the, pay the bills in the off season. But when it comes to actually winning games and paying the actual bills, it's a different sort of construction and, and look for teams in November, December. And it just feels like, you know, very few players are going to have a quote unquote down June. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we have less that happens, whereas a down game, an injury in season, uh, things like that, where teams are like, oh, got to make the playoffs or, you know, I'm retooling. So you're willing to sell for a big discount on some, you know, on Cooper Cup, you know, let's just say, because he's older and I don't want to hold him all off season. Things like that, where it's not quite nuanced like that in the off season. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, and the last one I mentioned, so I mentioned, uh, mentioned Cooper Cup, but Pukunakua, um, I saw another thing interesting where uh, most people think he's not a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. Um, and I, I was thinking back because yes, the, you know, the, the Rams and Pukunakua not quite as, as hot as earlier in the season, but the dude is still 2.39 yards per route run. Like I had to double check. Cause I was like, I know he, you know, he's had a couple down games or whatever, but he still has a couple really strong games recently you're looking at what he's done and Stafford's playing well by the way um but I just it's kind of interesting that he was one of the I didn't see this coming players this year and then he has what does he have like 12 catches over the last three games and it's like eh you know apparently he needs to fall where do you kind of stand on the like his innate profile of his workload, his efficiency, like all that checks like every box you would ever want. Like whether he was a top five pick as a rookie or whether he was low pedigree like he was, like he checks no matter what box you're trying to at wide receiver. And yet apparently now his stock or vantage point for dynasty owners is slipping. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I don't know if you just stepped away and it's February, we talk about rankings and all that stuff in season. If you stepped away in February or March and I said, hey, listen, there's a wide receiver out there that had 9.6 targets per game, had 27.3% of his routes he was targeted on, uh, 8.7 <laughs> yards per target, and a two, and all that sort of combines to be 2.39 yards per route run. Um, I was also doing some other metrics as well. He comes out pretty good in. Um, He's probably going to have 150 targets as a rookie. Right. And and a PFF grade, you know, if you sort of believe that, believe in those sorts of things over, uh, uh, over 80, which is a top 15 number in the league amongst qualifiers. (laughs) Like, how do you feel about that? Right. And I I think you got to be really careful. Um, And again, a lot of this is going on like Josh Allen as well. Like, you know, the order of variance uh, it tends to have a really big impact on how we think about something, but you have to step away and say, okay, what does this sort of basic situation say independent of the specific variant things that are going on in a given moment? What is this overall profile? Right. And that's what we stress all the time, right? So if a player profile like Puka Nakua is getting discounted because this elite profile is 
you know, not going to be transcendent Hall of Fame level in year one, right? Like that's that's a time to actually buy, right? And that's a time to actually buy. I mean, I don't know. This is like the, the this is basically stabilizing into the Amon Ross St. Brown rookie season. Like this is right about the numbers where he was in his rookie season, that that like eight game stretch at the end of his season where we were like, holy smokes, what is this? Like we're basically going to get a full season of that from Puka Nakua. <laughs> right. Like that's about where he's going to well, level and, out at. And we it's pretty good. Well, and we talked about this premise of almost if a, a round one guy does it, it, it almost doesn't mean as much, right? Like to, right. I don't, I think people like the, the Brock Purdy story makes it more impressive, right? right? It makes it more impressive. Like if he was drafted at 102, it's, it kind of is the expectation. I mean, how I framed it was if they traded up in the Trey Lance style and they picked Brock Purdy or they got Brock Purdy results as the access, then you would be like, wow, nice trade, you know, solve that problem. You know, he's playing really well. And, but like a day three wide receiver has such an uphill climb. And especially to do this with an opportunity of a guy running, you know, 35 routes a game. I mean, I don't even know how many day three wide receivers play well enough to get, regardless of efficiency. I mean, to just get 35 routes a game as a rookie. It, it's gotta be five players in the last decade or something. It ain't a lot. It's cr- like, I'm just, I, I would just guess. I mean, it's like a one hand. You're right. It's right. unbelievable. Let alone getting targets, let alone, you know, what you're doing on a per route basis. Right. Just being on the field that much. I mean, they probably go hand in hand, but wow. I just, because I looked and I remember when I scrubbed him earlier, he really hasn't moved much for my you know, valuation system since then. And like, he's in the top 12 for me and most people apparently have him outside. And I just thought, I, I, I found that pretty interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm resistant. I'm resistant, but he's, he's done plenty for me at a position that it's really hard. Like <laughs> to be over two yards per route run just in a season is really good. Especially if you're not an established guy that we get used to seeing you in that, in that zone. And, you know, every once in a while you see massive stuff like what is Tyreek Hill still near four or over four? Like it's just nuts. Yeah. It's just crazy. And then, and then Ayuk is over three or pushing four. I, I, he's having just a massive season, but I mean, you take situations like that out and it's, I mean, what else are you looking for? I mean, right. it's uh, all right. And let's see. Oh, I, I, and then we have a couple, uh, did I, did I get enough slash dynasty trade analysis here? This was a trade this week. So interesting timing. We talk about, you know, making the push, making a dynasty trade. This is 1.75 tight end premium. Straight across, simple as can be, one for one. Travis Kelsey for Mark Andrews. Man, I specifically, get specifically, if you have Mark Andrews, and let's say, you know, that your option. You know, what What a realistic option, secondary option. Let's say it's pretty low. You know, I mean, someone like John New Smith might be on the high side, potentially, in this situation. And you say, I'm going to trade Andrews for Travis Kelsey. Does it matter if you're earmarked for a buy, if you're solidly in the playoffs, what your your kind of status is there? I think you got to be, like, pushing a buy team. I got a hard time doing this deal. I just, I can't, like... I love Travis Kelsey. I think he's five like plus five, six years. Yeah, I think he's an all-time great. 
I don't think Andrews is on that track, but Andrews is on like the track of like there's few guys that ever get to the track Andrews is on. It's constantly hitting triples. Yeah, and and listen, he's it's probably not potential. like he's not on a Hall of Fame track like Kelsey is. Um, but he's not. If you not at present, but like he's at if 28. You, no, well, no. But if he did this for six more years, yeah, right? Like but he, he's on be, that track, right? Yeah, you he's year in year out on a level that gets you there at 34. Yeah, right, right. So, um. So, yeah, I would have a hard time. Like, I would rather, instead of doing this deal, I'd rather overpay for Joku or Ingram. Like, I, again, whatever the price is. Like, if, if it's my two options are to pay, like, 130 cents on the dollar for Evan Ingram or... How much would deal, Isaiah likely cost? I, right. I'm just like, you could do a lot of cheap things. I mentioned before, Taysom Hill is really interesting to me. Yeah. From the, like, I'm just going to shoot for one-off ceiling because everyone has a low floor, pretty right. much. Right. But yeah, like, like there's a, I know people don't want to hear this, but there's a non-zero and who knows, it might be upwards of 10, 15% right. that Kelsey could retire. Right. And that makes this trade so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and what if Kelsey, uh, again, let's play out the scenario. What if Kelsey gets hurt? He could be back for the NFL playoffs and miss your critical games. And you, it affects a 33 slash 34 year old a heck of a lot more then, well, I lost Andrews. Well, see you week one. <laughs> That's a much easier conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really hard for me to pull the, pull the right. you know, push the button on this type of deal. Well, here's, I, here's the reverse, though. If you're a contending team, would you make this trade? Kelsey for Andrews. Could you do that? If I was a contending team? Yeah. Um, you just said you couldn't do it the other way. Yeah. Could you do I it mean, that way? The long-term I, good. Versus mm-hmm. the obviously painful potential short-term sacrifice. This is with the caveat of like, I build my teams at tight end premiums to like, just you're, you're eviscerate fine. Yeah. everyone at tight end. Right. So I want right. to like, I want to choke out the league at tight end. You probably so have I, another couple top 12 guys. I'm playing Joku in addition instead. To that. I'm playing yeah. like, I think I would probably do that deal. You might've had Kincaid or Laporta that's kind of found money as a rookie. Cause you weren't right. expecting him to be as auto start as they are. Right. right. There's a real good chance. I've got Evan Ingram. There's a real good chance. I got Kittle. Like, okay. and again, this, this is one of those things. Like when so you if you're in that situation, this, yeah. you, you would, you're fine. You would make the trade. I'd be one to make that trade. Because guess what? The answer would be unequivocally, regardless of your team direction, buy, no buy playoff, whatever that in Four short weeks, right? Mm-hmm. You'd be like, well, I'll do this, you know, hand over fist. Right. Right. So if you were literally talking about a month window right. where you're like, eh, maybe it is the other side. Again, that's not making a dynasty trade. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And again, like you got to think about like, what's the best, like if your goal is to win a dynasty championship, it's really nice to try and win one right now. It's, but like, there's only odd... one, yeah. we, we say this all the time. There's only one combination of events that make you say, man, I crushed that deal. And mm-hmm. it is Kelsey healthy. Kelsey is productive like you think he should be. And you actually win the title, right? Right. All those things. Because if he produces and other parts of your roster underwhelm and you don't win the title, especially let's say you finish third and you make this trade. I, I don't care if Kelsey scored 30 points a game. You're still going to be like, eh. That which means your sole intent was it was title or nothing, right? Yeah. So and and you got to think like what's the what does this deal increase your percentage chance of winning the title? Like less than five percent, probably. 
right? If we're being super honest about it, like it's not that big of a change right. percentage wise. And you're giving up, you know, what could be tens and and twenties percents into the next year, right? Or in, in two years, um, you're just giving up all of that. And I understand that now is really important, but I also understand like your goal is to win a dynasty championship. It's going to, it might, you know, your odds are to try and get that. Like the reason we go Allen Mahomes is because they're super durable from year to year. Dynasty right? is given long. Year, they're crazy, but dynasty is a multi-year game. So when you get these guys, like they're, they are durable in terms of both value right. and production. Like it's you can literally just sit up. here with everyone else going, Oh, what am I going to do about Justin Fields or, you know, this, this court, you know, now Geno Smith, it's 2025 and Geno Smith is not a starter anymore. And like you do all these things and another team in your league is going to be sitting there still starting Patrick Mahomes. Correct. Like that's a massive difference. And so that's why if it's 2025 and Travis Kelsey is making commercials, then well, he's already making commercials, but that's mm -hmm. his primary. I mean, and you are still starting Mark Andrews. It becomes very binary, which it's hard for Kelsey to supersede Andrews in the short term by enough to make that worthwhile. And it's not the difference between Kelsey and Andrews right now. And that's what I think the people, you got to remember that when you're making this deal, it's not zero versus like 15 points or 18 points or 20 points when Kelsey's yeah. going to get you. It's your replacement. It's the difference between the replacement, right. right? Is is Kelsey so much of an advantage over a guy like Evan Ingram or Joku or someone like that again, who I would rather pay 130 cents on the dollar to get versus doing this deal, right? Is he so much better? than those guys that it warrants giving up all of the remaining prime of Mark Andrews, because that's, that's actually the question. It is not, is Kelsey blank points better than the zero for Andrews right now? It is, is Kelsey a Mark Andrews level asset better in the meantime, right, right now than, than one of those replacement guys. And I just, that's a really hard way. When you look at it that way, it's very difficult to say yes to that. Right. And again, the other part, I mentioned retirement, but what if we start seeing cracks in the foundation? There was a point in time when Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates and Jason Witten and those types, they turned from high impact to just a nice tight end one. Right. Right. And all of a sudden, and we're kind of seeing that, like I am seeing some Jason Witten transition with Kelsey where, you know, with tight ends, especially you start going from, you know, you have plenty of 10 to 15 yard gains and those start turning into five to 10 over right. and over and over again. And Kelsey is super savvy, but you start to see more stat lines that are like six for 48, you know, as opposed to seven for 85. Correct. Correct. So again, and, and tight end, if you get, if you get no championship this year and Kelsey is tight end six next year. Oh yeah. Turns on you quick. Life comes yeah. at you fast. Um, all right. We've got a Jonathan Taylor deal. So to include this, we have Tony Pollard and a couple of second round picks next year. This is two PPR for tight end. So it boosts the picks just a little bit for Jonathan Taylor. So Taylor's going to miss, like you said, a couple games, three games, uh, probably be back at some point this season. TBD on that. Pollard, he is regressing positively for touchdowns. You got the Cowboys cooking. He's healthy now. He's a little older. He also has free agency status in the offseason. Where do you kind of sit with this? I'd do the deal. I'd take JT. 
Okay. I don't think you're giving up. You're you're getting a a core slash star asset if you're kind of looking at what I would consider like the you're getting a top thirty player, right? Kind of what we consider like a, a star asset uh, would be kind of my analysis on JT. And you're giving up something that's probably not going to be anywhere near that in terms of whatever happens to Tony Power this off season. I don't think you're going to go into you know, uh, June thinking, Hey, I've got a multi-year sort of starting high level window for a guy like Pollard. And you're giving up picks in a class that frankly, people don't love. Again, I don't study it until like March. So, but just using base rates, which I think is the best way to ever look at future picks. Like those aren't really difference making players, right? They're the type of players that we're trying to build a roster edge with in terms of like, Hey, we want lots of tight ends in that format or lots of running backs in that format, but the odds aren't super high on those guys. Like the odds on JT are really, really high. And again, he's the type of guy that can swing it here over the over the long term. I think like if you're seeing this type of deal, uh, it's because people are like kind of fed up with JT's injuries. Like uh, he's not injury prone. Like there's just like stuff happens, right? Like, and I that's kind of what we're seeing with him right now. Yeah, I think the sneaky part of the deal is the age difference. You know, a lot. I, I think there's a lot of people, and I think it's going to come crashing in the off season that. I don't think a lot of people, if you pulled them right now, would guess that Tony Pollard is 26 years old, you know, and he's going to be that shaky 27 next year. And he's going to be one with not one of those, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, or, you know, you think back to all the big time running backs that, you know, they built some massive profile and it's like, well, they're 27 and, you know, 27, 28, like there are plenty of running backs that can age relatively gracefully in that zone. Austin Eckler's one of them. Kamara's one of them. Um, but Taylor's 24. You know, he's two full years younger than Tony Pollard, as in addition to all his other profile advantages. But the insulation on a running back turning to 25 as opposed to 20, turning to 27 is pretty massive. And then when you, you know, I think I mentioned on a previous show about just Tony Pollard, we don't know how the NFL free agency-wise, contract-wise, He's probably not going to be like, you look at these contracts. Like, I don't know if he's going to have two full years of insulation of situation and, you know, just allegiance from his team in a future year again. So, and he didn't get it this year, did he? No, he didn't. And by the way, that hasn't proven to matter. Right? Like you look at that for Montgomery's contract, it didn't matter. They drafted Gibbs. Right. Uh, Miles Sanders has lost his job. Uh, Madison's in a timeshare with with Ty Chandler. Like the guys that have been paid, it hasn't even really. Ma- and again, like right. uh, Jamal Williams is a base is a functionally a backup, right? So like the guys <laughs> right. that got paid this offseason haven't. That hasn't even been a guarantee. Right. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm like color me skeptical like there's only like a handful of guys that literal handful that i feel confident with that are right now are like 2025 starters um and And many of many uh, of them are probably rookie contract guys right absolutely right i mean that's that's what that's where those guys reside um otherwise like you just don't know how the running back market's going to react year over year some of those guys might be but i don't feel comfortable about them right now yep yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the two seconds, you know, again, I, I like Hector, the collector of those, but those are a, like even the age and profile difference alone are worthwhile to use that as an upgrade point. And again, this goes back to a lot of the dialogue we've had during the show, which is, are you making a dynasty trade? You're trying to buy yourself a championship because this Correct. doesn't this reek of like, boy, I'm trying to make the playoffs. Let me try to, and, and if the, one of these seconds is yours and you make, you know, let's say you trade JT for, well, I, I reverse that, but again, you're, you're giving up picks uh, to, to upgrade. Cause you're saying I, 
the next year matters just as much as this year. Right. And and guess what happens in 2025? This deal is probably tragic in 2025. Because Pollard's going to be 28, Taylor's going to be 26, and we'll see what happens with those seconds. Not that you can't. We always like to use them and discuss the optimal way to use them and how you could make this awesome just with the picks alone and all this kind of stuff. But we have to assume something in the middle that you're not going to make the trade awesome by the picks alone. Correct. Correct. All right. Uh, what's on the premium side of Dynasty Think Tank this week, uh, which is over at patreon.com slash Dynasty Think Tank? After hours, we had a good conversation. Get to know us. A lot of get to know us stuff in that in that conversation, which was good. Uh, and also our deeper dive uh, this week, we're going to talk uh, running back situations from just a, a little bit further uh, uh, than just might meet the eye of guys that we're monitoring, situations that we're monitoring here that might be just uh, pure, you know, uh, first come, first serve waiver ads that could potentially be difference makers down the stretch. Excellent. Yeah. Wheelhouse. This is a we- where we and, live. And yeah. Yeah. This feels like a, a big week in terms of refining. I mean, we do it every week, but it seems like it, it's a big week for refining uh, your bench and getting ready for the stretch run, which it's, it might've already started, but this is really the week where you got to make sure you're not giving folks easy outs off the waiver wire. And, uh, and yeah, that'll be a big uh, deeper dive discussion this week. And as always, thanks for listening to Dynasty Think Tank. You can follow us on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL and at McNamara Dynasty. Plus, we have our own Don- Dynasty content streams at analyticsofdynasty.com and at uthdynasty.com. Unlock your ceiling and seek elite results.